today. I welcome you and invite you to turn with me in your Bible to John's Gospel, chapter 3. I'm preaching a, a series of sermons through the third chapter of John. This is sermon number four. Uh, we're talking about a one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation that this uh, man named Nicodemus had with Jesus one night. And uh, today's lesson or sermon is the teacher who learned a lesson. We're just going to look at two verses, 9 and 10, and I'm going to read those right now, and then we'll kind of fill in as we go. Uh, what about those Razorbacks? They, they didn't lose yesterday. Hey, yeah. Hey, you're not with me. I was just trying to get you ramped up there. Hey, do we have any Baylor Bear fans out there? All right, one, a girl up here that wants to go to Baylor, and there's a, another story there. But anyway, all right. I, I feel a disconnect with you this morning. Are you with me? Oh, I counted 18 yeses right there. Uh, come on, are you with me? Here we go. You're ready for God's Word. Here it is, John chapter 3, verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to Jesus, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. I pray, dear Lord, that as I speak it on the outside, you would speak it into our hearts. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom today to take this life-giving, life-changing word and bring life and change into our own hearts. Lord, may you be glorified and exalted today, and may you draw people to yourself. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I read a story about a little dog who was shipped by train. He never arrived at his destination because a problem arose for which there was no solution. This little dog ate the tag with its name and address on it. And so nobody knew where the little dog had come from, nor did they know where the little puppy was supposed to go. Well, that puppy reminds me of a lot of people who claim to have a relationship with God, but really don't have any need for God's Word, that is the instruction manual for life, in their own life. And at the same time, their life is a huge mess. Now, you know, you'd think that after a while, when your life just tumbles out of control and it's a mess, you would think, I, I need something to help me figure this out, right? And that's what God's Word is. It is our operation manual for life. But people make a mess of their life all the time. They, they really don't know where they have come from and they have absolutely no idea where they're going. They've lost their tag. They've bypassed the most important thing in life. And that is God's instruction manual, His Holy Word. Now, the Bible is the only book in the universe that tells us where we have come from and where we are going. It is the only book which explains to us in sure and certain terms what God is like. It is the only book that provides for us a road map leading to eternal life. It is the only book which explains the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of all the millions of books on earth, it is the only book that really tells us 
what life is all about. So, how important is the Bible? Well, it's the most important book that's ever been written. However, only 11% of the United States population read the Bible every day. And a lot of people who read the Bible every day don't really understand the Bible. And I really think Nicodemus was probably in that category. Nicodemus was a powerful man in ancient Israel, a brilliant scholar and teacher, renowned all across the nation. He was wealthy and prosperous. He was an influential politician in Jerusalem. And he was very religious. He was a Pharisee among the Hebrews. But his heart was as empty as a bottomless pit. And so one night, he came to Jesus asking questions. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a great teacher come from God because nobody can do the miracles you're doing unless God is with them. Jesus abruptly answered, And Nicodemus, I'll tell you the truth. No one is going to see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus was astonished by this. He says, well, well, how is that possible? I mean, is it really possible that an old man like me can be born a second time? Jesus said, it, it is, and you must be. You must be born again. And then Jesus said this, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you really cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. Nicodemus didn't understand that. And so he replied in verse 9, Well, how can this be? I mean, how can all of this be? How can an old man like me be born a second time? And I'd like for you to notice our Lord's response in verse 10. Jesus, absolutely amazed by Nicodemus' response, exclaimed, Are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? In fact, in the Greek, it's even more to the point. It says, you yourself, Nicodemus, are the teacher in all of Israel. Yet you don't even understand what I'm saying. Now, Nicodemus had spent his entire life studying the Old Testament Scriptures. He could quote most of the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. He could recite all of the stories found in Joshua and Judges. He had taught on the teachings of the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all of the others. This man was a prayer warrior. In fact, he probably prayed more in one day than we pray in a week's time. He fasted. That is, he went without food to cleanse his body and concentrate his mind on God's will. He kept the letter of the law. I mean, he was one religious dude. And he knew the Bible. Yet he did not even understand the most elementary rudiments of the spiritual life that Jesus was teaching. No wonder Jesus was amazed. And I have to step back and ask myself the question, as I did this past week studying this, why didn't Nicodemus understand? I mean, really, if you were to pick anyone to have understood what Jesus meant, Nicodemus 
must have been somewhere at the top of the list. He, he was a Bible scholar. He knew the Bible. Why, why didn't he get it? But then I had to do a little time out and look in the mirror and ask, well, what about us? Do we get it? I'm not a betting man. That's good for you to know that about me, all right? Little hook, come on, come on, people. Some of y'all are depressed this morning about something. Come on. I'm, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I would bet that every one of you ha have at least one Bible in your home. Maybe, maybe you have your Bible with you right now. And here's the deal we've read it, we know the stories. We can talk the talk, can't we? But do we really understand what God wants from our lives from this book? I've been pastoring now over 30 years, and I think that is a very legitimate question that a seasoned pastor should be able to ask his congregation. Do you really get it? And I don't mean this in a mean kind of way. I, I, I mean it in an inquiring kind of way. Do we understand? Do we really comprehend? Do we know what God wants from our lives? And that is from the Word of God. I'd like to suggest three things that Nicodemus needed and which are requirements for you and me if we are going to live and enjoy a positive, life-changing relationship not only with God, but also with His Word. These three things have to happen. Number one, you must be saved by the message contained in this book. You must be saved by its, the Bible, its message. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, we understand and know the message of the Bible is simple enough for a child to understand. It's the way God made it. He made a very simple plan of salvation. That doesn't mean that the entire Bible is simple. It's simple to understand and it's simple to believe, but then you can spend the rest of your life studying its treasures and its mysteries and never really understand it all. But the Bible is simple enough for a kid to understand it. And here it is. God made us. God loves us. God wants to have a personal relationship with us. But we have disobeyed Him. And that started in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. But you know what? It's filtered through every generation, even to you. Hmm. And our disobedience must be punished. But God didn't want to see us punished because He's a God of grace and a God of mercy. So He came up with this plan of salvation. God became a man to take our punishment upon Himself as He hung on Calvary's cross. And folks, this, this will blow your mind. You are guilty before God. You have sinned. Your sin must be punished. But Jesus took your sin on His sinless body. And He died for you. And in doing so, He calls us unto Himself. Our obligation now is to allow Him to be the Lord of our life. Through His blood we can be saved. And through faith, 
He becomes the Lord of our life. Now, here's how simple it is. Listen to these very simple Bible verses. This is what the Bible says about salvation. Romans 10.9 If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? You believe it in your heart, you confess Him as Lord of your life, and you're saved. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. That's the payment you receive for sin. We're all sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages, the payment for that sin is death. That is eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we get what we deserve, it is death and hell and destruction. But God is so good, He offers a gift. We're getting ready for Christmas. You know what giving gifts is all about? You give a gift to someone, and what are you asking in return? Nothing. That they just receive that gift. And that's God's gift to you. Salvation. Acts 16.31 Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. I mean, guys, this is not complicated. God made it real simple. So simple a six-year-old boy can comprehend it, understand it, and be saved. But until you take that step, you can't go any further in the Scriptures. You can't really begin to understand the Bible until you have been saved by its message. Many of us are kind of like the guy that said, Oh, I read the Bible occasionally and I attend church from time to time, but you know, I never really get much out of it. That reminds me of a story about a woman who lived down the street from a famous writer of mystery novels. And she really felt privileged to live down the street from this world-famous author. But you know what? She had read a few of his books and really didn't care for them. He had a beautiful house down there and she had been in it on a couple of occasions. She had attended a charity event there once before and visited it one time during a parade of homes, but she was not very impressed with the inside of that house. She didn't really like its layout. She would have never decorated it that way. But then she met the man one day on the golf course. They were having a couple's tournament and these two got paired together and they played nine holes together. And about on the third hole, magic struck. They went to eat dinner that night. They fell in love. They got married. She moved into his beautiful home. And you know what? She loved it. She reread all of his books. And guess what? She loved them. He's such a great author. Well, what changed her attitude? Real simple. She fell in love with the author. Okay? She fell in love with the author. Friend, you can dabble in God's Word and you can attend services in His house all you wish, but until you really meet Him, until you really fall in love with the author of this book, you can't really begin to understand and appreciate what the Bible is all about. That was Nicodemus' problem. 
Here's the way the Apostle Paul put it. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them. That is, the world doesn't get it. They don't understand what we're all about. We are offensive to them. They are challenged by us. Until you get it. And when you get it, you get it. Your life is changed from the inside out and you understand. So, you must be saved by its message. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Number two, you must become students of its mysteries. A few years ago, the Gallup polling organization did a study of Bible reading in America. And they discovered that only 11% of Americans read their Bible daily. 22%, nearly one-fourth of the country, never read the Bible at all. And they summarized by saying, people in America revere the Bible, they just don't read the Bible. Now, they didn't ask how many people really studied the Bible, but obviously it would be much less than the 11% that did read it. And yet the Bible tells us that we need to study its passages every day. I mean, guys, let me tell you, this is God's Word to us. This is what we do to live life to its fullest. This book will keep us out of trouble. This book is the road map to heaven. If you've got a problem, this book has an answer. Just listen to what the Bible says about itself and the people who study it. Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of God, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of man. And the Bible is really clear. For me to be that kind of man and to live that kind of life, I must be devoted to the book, and I must read the book, and I must live the book. In Acts 17, 11, the Bible commends the Christians in the Macedonian town of Berea because they searched the Scriptures daily. And in those Scriptures, they found life. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God as a workman who can rightly divide the word of truth. Oh, years ago, 30 plus years ago, I was at a seminary at Southwestern in Fort Worth, and one of my professors told us one day in class, I think it was Dr. McGorman, in New Testament Greek, he said, if the average Christian spent as much time in personal Bible study as he does in reading the sports page or watching soaps on TV, he would become a powerhouse of biblical knowledge. And I wrote it down. After 30 plus years in the ministry, I could add to that, if we, that's us in this room, if we just spent half the time reading the Bible as we do on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or some other forms of social media, we would become a wellspring of life and Bible knowledge. 
Warren Wiersbe, the great Bible commentator, said, if you spend 30 minutes a day studying any subject, veterinary medicine, for example, within 10 years, you would have the equivalency of a Ph.D. on that subject. And maybe you're thinking, okay, man, you know, you're ringing my bell, preacher. I'm getting it. I understand I need to be reading the Bible, but tell me, how do I get started in doing it? And you know what? I've started before and I just couldn't stick with it. I, I, I didn't understand it. And so I just, it just kind of dropped off. What, what do I need to do to get going? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to pause right here in my preaching and just do some sharing with you. Okay. Try to do a little teaching because I want you to take one of these nuggets home with you. This is so important. This is what it's all about. This is how your life is going to change from bad to better. And this is how you're going to get close to God. Okay? I'm going to give you some forms of Bible reading and how you can study God's Word daily. But it all begins with this. Just this simple thing. You've got to want to do it. Because nobody is going to force you to read the Bible. Nobody's going to twist your arm and make you do that. You know, we don't have Bible boot camp at Kavanaugh Church. Okay? It's got to grow out of your heart. There has to be a desire to do it. I, I know some men and women who are so religious, so they put it that way, in working out. They would never miss their daily workout. I mean, no matter what else is going on in their life, they are going to go to the gym and exercise their body because it's important to them. Maybe you're not in that category, but I guarantee you, you're in this category. The rest of us, we're pretty serious about eating. You know? And we're not going to miss a meal. We're religious about that. We have to eat. We understand if we don't eat, it causes all kinds of problems in our life, right? Get, get this. Understand this. This is life. God's Word is life. It brings life. It changes us and molds us and makes us into the people we are to be. And so it begins with a desire. I've got to hunger God's Word. I have to thirst after God's Word. And I make a decision. Okay, here it is. Here's my decision I'm making. I don't care what else happens in a given day. God is going to get His time with me. Because I can't make it through a day without God. And you just make up your mind and you do it. You do it. Now, how do you do that? Well, let me give you some suggestions. Um, some of you just, you like reading out of a book, right? You like reading actual pages, paper, right? Some of you are old-fashioned. My wife is this way. She would rather have the book than an e-book or whatever. She wants the real thing. You like that? Come on, people. Wake up, please. Just make me feel better about this, all right? So, so if that's the way you are, I suggest that you go to the Christian bookstore and buy perhaps a one-year Bible. They make them like that, a one-year Bible, where they have designated the Bible and set it into 365 sections. And every day you're reading that section for that day. And at the end of the year, you've read through the whole Bible. Maybe three, four pages a day, but it's your section for that day. If, if you've already got a bunch of Bibles and don't want to buy another Bible or too cheap to go buy a Bible, you know what? They, they make the same thing on a little placard card. Just a little card with the daily Bible readings for a one-year Bible reading, and you can just go through and check it off. One thing you can do. 
Maybe you're a husband and a wife and, and things are not really good in, in your marriage or your home. I would suggest that you purchase a couple's devotional Bible. They make those. It's for couples, husbands and wives, to read the Word of God daily and they'll have a, a devotion that goes along with it. If you Let me side note over here. If you come to me for marriage counseling, the one thing I'm going to tell you is this. The first thing you need to do as a husband and wife, as a couple, the first thing you must do if you want to fix the problems you have, you've got to start reading God's Word together and praying together. Now, doesn't that just make sense? Okay, here's the deal. I've told you this a hundred times. If Jesus is in Angie and He's first place in Angie's life and Jesus is in my life and first place in my life, Jesus is not going to be fighting with Jesus. Okay? So the thing we need to do is sit down and put Jesus first place in our marriage. Read His Word together and pray together. And for most of the problems that most of you have, that right there will fix it. Here's this one. How about starting the verse of the day club? What's the verse of the day club? Well, let's say you're going to start this tomorrow. And I'm just suggesting you go to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to start in the New Testament. It's the verse of the day club. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 1. And I'm reading through here. And what I'm looking for is a verse that just kind of leaps off the page and speaks to me. That's how it happens. God's Holy Spirit is active in all of this. And this book is living. It's powerful. It is alive. This book treats me and acts towards me as a person would. Sometimes it reaches out and grasps my hand. Sometimes it slaps me around a little bit. Sometimes it hugs me and warms my heart because it's God speaking to me. And so the, the verse of the day club, I'm reading through here, and you know what? I'm reading, and, and it's these genealogies, and I'm not really understanding it all, but you know what? I get down here, and bingo, I hit verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's the one that gets me. It's my verse for the day. And I meditate on that verse. I write it down. I carry it around in my pocket. I say it back to God. It's the verse God gave me for today. It's my promise that Jesus came to save people from their sins, me included. So that was my verse for today. I put a little mark right there. And the next day I come back and I start reading in verse 22 of chapter 1. And I read down through there until I find another verse that speaks to me for that day. And it becomes my verse of the day. Can you see how energizing and exciting that can be? Or maybe you want to do a verse of the week. Pick, pick 52 verses before the new year starts. We know the new year is coming, don't we? It's right after adopt a family. That's how we gauge it around here. So here's what you do between now and the new year. You pick out 52 verses from the Bible that you want to hide in your heart and memorize. And you assign them one a week for the year 2015. And every week you're working on that one verse. By the end of the week, I don't care how old and senile you are, if you spend every day in the week on it, you've got it. You've memorized it. At the end of the year, how many verses have I memorized? Some of y'all took math in Greenwood, didn't you? There you go. 
Man, if I did that for 10 years, woo! I'd have a lot of Bible verses in my head and in my heart. There are do-it-yourself Bible studies you can buy at the bookstore, family devotional books, commentaries. Here's the way I do it, okay? Are you getting tired of this? Okay. Thank you, Ronnie. I can always count on Ronnie. Thank you. I tell you, when Ronnie's gone, I miss Ronnie from being in here. I, I'm such a tech guy. Not. <laughs> not. Not. I, I, told, I told my girls, I took the girls out to eat last night. The boys are staying home watching uh, LSU and Alabama. But anyway, I was, I was talk, talking to my girls. I said, I did it. I finally, I finally made a playlist on my, my songs app. I made my own playlist. Thank you, thank you. I'm proud of myself. I, do, I can do things. But here, I'm not a tech guy, but you know what? I live with this thing. It, these phones are amazing, are they not? And what I have on my phone is Uversion Bible app. Okay, it's free. Dad, you'll love it. It's free. Didn't cost me anything. Free, free app. And, and, and it's free. <laughs> Free Bible app. So I just downloaded it, you version. There, there are just about every English translation plus several foreign translations are available through you version. You can read the Bible in, in every translation right here on your phone. And here's the deal. They've got a, a category called plans, okay? I'm kicking on, on plans and I'm going to browse the plans. And here they are. They have all kinds of different Bible reading plans. One coming up for Christmas and Advent. There's a devotional one, a family one. I'm going to, I'm going to tap on the whole Bible because you see, that's what I do through the year. I want to read through the whole Bible. And I've done this for the last three years. I'll pick a different plan. Uh, last year I, I did a, uh, a, uh, McShane one year reading plan. That was a good one. I would read two chapters out of the Old Testament, two chapters out of the New Testament, and some out of the Psalms and Proverbs. And I would just read through that. I went through Psalms and Proverbs like four or five times through the year. But as I read my daily reading, it would, it would keep a record for me. It would check the box for me. And if I missed a day, it would remind me, Hey dude, you're a little behind. Not like This year I'm reading just the, the canon. I'm reading from Genesis through Revelation. I'm in the Gospel of John right now. Day, I don't know, 312 in the calendar year. It's the way I read God's Word. And when I come to this, in the, the morning is my time with God. I'll get a cup of coffee. I'll sit on the red chair. And I start by praying, Lord, I'm reading Your Word today. Make it relevant in my life. Show me what I need from Your Word today. And I will read that passage. And then I'll go to other passages that I'm studying or I want information on. And I'll read those. And then I'll spend time talking to God and praying to God. And it's vital. It's life. And if you want to be all that you can be in your Christian experience and life, you must spend time in God's Word. You must become a student of its mysteries. And then number three, you've got to be submissive to its master. The Bible only works for us when its message is applied. Okay, Understand it this way. Bible study is never finished until it is applied. You can come in here and listen to sermon after sermon, go to Sunday school class, listen to teachers teach, even read the Bible on your own. 
but it is never completed until you take what you have read or learned and apply it to your daily life. Until you get out of that pew and go live it in the real world. Now what I'd like to do in closing is give you a simple rule for successful Christian living. Have you ever aspired to that? To be a successful Christian? Okay, Here's how you do it. It's found in the preceding chapter, John chapter 2. Jesus is attending a social function in the northern town of Cana. He, he, there was a problem that arose at this wedding. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, asked Jesus to resolve the problem because she knew her boy could do it. Okay, She had seen him at work. She knew what he was capable of doing. She knew he could resolve the problem. So she turned to the servants and she gave the servants this instruction. It's found in verse 5. Whatever He says to you, talking about her son Jesus, whatever He says to you, there it is, do it. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But that's what it's all about. If you want to have a successful Christian life, there's the key. Whatever Jesus says to you, that's what you need to do. That is the sum total of a happy Christian life. You just do whatever Jesus tells you to do in His Word. Does God tell us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Does He tell us that? Yes, He does in His Word. Does God tell you to avoid sexual immorality? Yes, He does. Does God tell you to pray without ceasing? It's right here in the book. Does God tell you to love your enemies? Yes, He does. Does God tell you to give your tithe and your offering? Yes, He does. Does God tell you to love your wife as Christ loved the church? Yes, He does. Does God tell us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more so as we see the day approaching? Yes, He does. And I could go on and on and on and on. These are instructions from God's Word. Whatever He says to you, then what? Do it. Do it. But the Bible is only meaningful when you are saved by its message, when you become a student of its mysteries, and when you become submissive to its Master. And based on other passages in John's Gospel, we have every reason to believe that Nicodemus, even as an old man, did those things in his life, and it was radically changed. He was never the same again. And guys, that is my invitation for you today. If you're here today and you've never been saved by the message of the Word of God, or if there is a doubt or a question in your heart about your relationship with Christ, if you're not for sure if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, I invite you to come down and pray with us today and you can know that you're saved. Maybe today you, you need to come and make a commitment to God and say, God, you know, I've, I've been convicted about this. I've I've, I've, been, I've been letting myself down and I've been letting you down. I know I need to spend time every day with you. Lord, help me to make that a priority. And help me to do it. And maybe God is speaking to you today about some area of obedience that you need to bring up to date in your life. Would you come and do that this morning? I know this, God's Holy Spirit is speaking. He's speaking to you. Would you respond? Heavenly Father, we pray right now in Your holy and precious name that You would speak to and minister to hearts that are here. Lord, there are people who need to come to the altar and just pray today. 
I pray that they would have the freedom to do that. And as your Spirit encourages them, that they would come. Lord, for that one who needs to come and receive Christ as their Savior, may they respond. For the person who needs to bring their obedience up to date, may they respond. Lord, for the rest of us who just need to come and talk to You, give us the freedom to do that. Thank You for what You've done and what You're about to do. We praise You for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? And as God calls you, would you come? Just step out right where you are. Just step out and come pray. Whatever it is you need to pray about, now's the time to do it. So would you come?